Welcome to the Darren Sargent Show, where you get life advice from a single-handed perspective. This is episode 17, Adaptability 2. Now, if you haven't listened to episode 16, I would encourage you to stop this episode right now and go listen to episode 16 and then come back here. We'll be waiting on you because there are some things that I unpacked in episode number 16 that will help you fully understand where we're going in today's episode. So stop what you're doing and go back and listen to episode 16 and then come back. We'll be here waiting on you. When we left off in our last episode, we were talking about the importance of being adaptable. Now, this has been something that I've had to practice a lot in my life. I've had to learn to adapt being born the way I was. I quickly discovered that our world is made for two-handed people, and I've had to, on many occasions, try to figure out how to do things that may normally take two hands to get done or accomplish. For instance, let's, let's talk about something that I decided around the age of 19 or 20 that I was going to take up, and that's the sport of golf. Most of my friends were golfing, and I was the only one stuck on campus in my dorm room trying to figure out how to twiddle my thumb. Do you see what I did there? And I got tired of it, so I decided to take up the sport of golf. I had a friend by the name of Kevin who took on the challenge, a very good golfer, to take, if you're listening to this, Kevin, that was a shout-out to you. Uh, we actually played golf just a few weeks ago together, 30-something years later, still playing golf. Love you, bud. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. He's a good golfer. Golfer. He he took up the challenge to teach me how to play single-handedly. Now, let me give you a little background. I grew up playing a lot, a lot of baseball. I was a pitcher on my little league team. When I wasn't pitching, I was a second baseman. And uh, when I got into college, uh, we had a softball team, and I I played for the softball team for two or three years. I was first baseman and enjoyed it greatly. So I was used to doing everything right-handed. I, I had a glove that I put on my right hand all the way back in Little League. This is how I did it. When I pitched, I, I put the glove on, and I would take the glove. I would put it under uh, my left arm, and I would pull the ball out, and I would throw it. And uh, there's a few times I got beamed pretty good because I couldn't get my glove on fast enough. But I was used to doing everything right-handed. So when I took up golf, many people started to tell me, you know, you need to get left-handed clubs and swing left-handed. If you're a golfer, you know what I'm saying. Your, your lead hand, if you're a right-handed golfer, your lead hand, your power hand is that left hand. It's what pulls the club through as you're striking the ball. And it was difficult. I tried it. I got some left-handed clubs, and I tried, and, and uh, we worked on it. But it just wasn't a fit because I was so used to doing everything with my right hand in sports. So I had to, I had to adapt. I had to adapt to the game. Now, you know, if, if my buddies that I play golf with, if they beat me, they're not going to tell anybody, hey, I beat a one-armed guy. <laughs> Whoopee, big deal. But if I beat them, <laughs> I tell everybody. I take out ads in like the USA Today. I mean, it, it's just I let everyone know on the golf course, at the restaurant, at the end of the game, hey, I just beat these two-armed guys. I had to adapt. 
Now, I may not be able, and this has been a challenge for me because most of my friends can crush a ball. I mean, get it out there all the way, but I love, oh, I love when I hit a good drive and, and my ball lands 25, 30 yards ahead of theirs, and I'll just stand there by the ball and just point at my unarm, my, my left arm, and say, one hand beat two hands. It's a lot of fun. But I had to learn to adapt. I can't play their game. I have to play my game. I had to adapt my game to my unique circumstance. Now, as we discussed in the last episode, if you are going to fulfill what God is desiring of your life, if you are going to engage in a journey of abundant life with God, if you are going to to follow the God who created you to do amazing things and explore mysteries and go to some unknown places, you are going to have to learn how to adapt. Now, we mentioned in episode 16 that we're going to look at some individuals today from Scripture that are major examples of what it means when it comes to being adaptable. Let's look at Daniel. We talked about we're going to look at Daniel and Esther, and and we may even get into the three Hebrew children today, but uh, we'll we'll start with Daniel. Daniel possessed a very unique ability to adapt in the middle of a very strange land. His story is set in a time of crisis. He was in an environment that was basically set up for him to fail instead of succeed. Here he is in the middle of a strange land, a foreign land, living under foreign directives. All around him, it's very unique. It's different. It's strange. Now, I think we too often think that people who accomplish great things somehow stumble on opportunity or have some sort of advantage that the rest of us don't have. Most, most often, the opposite is true. People who accomplish great things are people who face many difficulties but have learned to adapt, to roll with the punches, so to speak. People who have learned how to bend without breaking. Now, just to give us some background before we get too far into this, Israel has now found themselves once again being conquered. The nation doing the conquering this time is Babylon, and they have taken certain men of Israel as slaves to advance the purposes of their nation. Now, this is not a good start if Daniel is planning on having a great life. Now, we'll get into Daniel a little bit more, but let me just just add this because I think it it kind of floats in. It, It dovetails together. Esther's story is very similar. She's captive to another foreign empire, the Medes and Persians, and both of these nations are now controlling the destiny of the people of God. I think we need to keep this in mind when we think about Daniel and we think about Esther, even when we think about the three Hebrew boys. They find themselves in a situation that is not of their doing. These stories are placed in the Word of God to remind you and I that so often in life, we don't get to choose the context from when or where we begin our story, where our lives begin. I didn't get to choose why I was born with one hand. If it had been my choice, I probably would have opted for two hands. Man, I I may have asked for three even. But you and I do not get to choose the condition of our birth. We don't get to choose our parents, our race, our skin color. I didn't even get to choose the language I wanted to speak or the economic condition I would have liked to have had. 
you and I have absolutely no say about how the beginning journey of life is going to be, but you do have a lot to say about the destination of your journey and how you are going to respond to that journey and how that journey is going to ultimately shape you. Now, I've said it often, your circumstances you were born into should not be the only things that define you. Your circumstances, hear me, do not determine your opportunities. Or if they do, it may be much different than you expect. I have discovered that the greater the obstacles, the greater the opportunities. The more challenging your circumstances, the greater your opportunity to see God raise you to new levels of living. Now, the climb to the top may be difficult, but oh, the views once you get to the top is breathtaking. You know, if, if life was lived on some flat, linear plane, there would be no mountains to climb. And if there are no mountains to climb, there's no victory to view. You cannot live a life in a serene bubble of comfort. God is more interested in your character than he is in your comfort. If you insist on living in a context of comfort, you, what you do is you easily settle for the safe instead of disrupting and disturbing the status quo of life. Now, now let, me, let me break this down. I really would like to complete this subject in these two episodes, but I don't know if we're going to do so. I think we're going to have to take this a little bit farther. If you and I are living a life that we don't want to live, the greatest danger is to accept boredom and monotony as normal. If you are refusing to live the life of your dreams, if you wake up each morning with a little sadness in your heart, it may be because you are refusing to adapt to what God may be trying to do in you, and you are content with underachieving. I sincerely believe that I am not called to just settle for a good life when I know I am called to a life of greatness. All those that are listening to this podcast today, I sincerely believe that you are called not just to settle. You are called to live an abundant life in Jesus Christ. Now, so I'm not misunderstood and thrown under the proverbial bus. Let me just say this. There are people born into this world who are born into such desperate conditions that their opportunities are dramatically limited. I I get that. They are born in such dire situations, I may never fully experience those things or understand those things. But the sheer act of their survival reveals such true courage, it is staggering to comprehend. But I have also noticed in a lot of people that live in these conditions, they are more passionate about life than many of us who have incredible, unparalleled privilege and opportunity. It may be that some of you that are listening to this your challenge is to not is to not allow your context to justify your underachievement. Can I say that again? Those of you that are listening to this, the challenge that may be in front of you is to not allow your context, your circumstance, your situation to justify your underachievement. Now, I could just go in the backyard and suck the only thumb I have and gripe and complain about the fact that I'm not like so-and-so who has two hands and can pick their nose and talk on their mobile phone at the same time. 
I, I could I could easily wallow in my self-pity, mumbling to myself and anyone who would listen to me how bad I have it because I can't shuffle a deck of cards or gripe about not being able to do sign language Can everyone everyone that's seeing me may think I, uh, I'm stuttering or they're only getting half the message. I'm just going to let that stay there for a minute. <laughs> I mentioned this earlier. Your circumstances do not equal your opportunity because your opportunity is not just shaped by external factors, but it's those internal forces that determine how you are going to adapt and handle what is adversely affecting you. Daniel, facing this challenge, could have easily said, I am nothing but a slave. I've been stolen from my comfort zone, placed in an idolatrous nation to advance the agenda of a pagan king that I don't agree with. Esther could have easily told her uncle Mordecai, my parents are gone, I'm nothing but an orphan, and by the way, I'm just a Jewish girl who the king is going to mock. But if you will look at both of their stories, you will walk away with an understanding that they refuse to allow their circumstances to limit their opportunity. I didn't choose the condition of my birth, but I can choose my response to it. And the reason that I'm discussing this subject uh, of adaptability is because I may not have been able to choose my starting point and everything that came with it, but I can learn to adapt to my environment, to my circumstances, to my challenges, and not hear me, not use them as an excuse, but as a catalyst to live the life God intended for me to live. Now, both Daniel and Esther, even the three Hebrew boys, all learned how to adapt in very difficult contexts where they were slaves living in a strange land. They had every right to make excuses for never doing anything worthwhile in their lives. But they refused to accept their fate and drift into obscurity like so many do that face challenges. Instead, what did they do? They stepped up. They learned everything they could using all they had, even when things opposed them, and they rose above their circumstances. Even in the face of unimaginable difficulty and challenges, they were formed into amazing and extraordinary people. Let's take a quick peek at Daniel again. The king orders some of the Israelites from the royal, the nobility, the strong, uh, men that had no defect. They were smart. They were quick to understand. They were qualified. He got those to come in and be taught the language and the literature of Babylon. They get assigned certain amounts of food and wine from the king's table. It looks like their plight is changing, but watch this. They were to be trained for three years, then they could enter into the king's service, or in other words, become the king's slaves. Now, it would have been easy for Daniel to say, nope, nope, not going to do that. It would have been easy to confuse a refusal to change as a stand against corruption. I'm holding my ground, bless God. Now, I'm going to mess with your apple cart in this next statement. For all of those that are insistent on staying the same and never changing, you may want to turn down your volume for this one because this is going to make you mad. Are you ready? Now, don't, don't say I didn't warn you. Here we go. I am convinced the longer I live that there are times when the greatest act of courage and the best display of character is my willingness to change. Daniel finds himself in one of these moments. He could stand up against this challenge or he could adapt. And I am convinced Daniel overcame the challenge that he was forced to come face to face with by adapting to those challenges instead of resisting them. 
Something within Daniel propelled him to learn whatever it was that needed to be learned in order for him to thrive in a hostile environment that he had found himself in. Daniel discovered some tools in the middle of his circumstance that became an opportunity to to develop him and help him grow and achieve success. Now, in his own land, he was regarded. He was looked favorably upon. He was probably a go-to guy for counsel. But now all that is obsolete in this pagan land he finds himself in. So he has to adapt. He has to retool. If he is going to survive, he, he has to retool. He has to do these things in order to distinguish himself from the others. Now, he kept what he kept. He kept what he had been taught in his land. Those things stayed with him, but what he had learned wasn't important as the fact that he was a learner. What he had learned wasn't as important as the fact that he was a learner. Now, you know as well as I do, this had to, this had to stretch Daniel to the limit. He was now being forced to learn the wisdom and the ways of the Babylonians, even though those ways were foreign to him and conflicted with his own. His own, he faced that challenges, those challenges, and excelled even better than many of the Babylonians around him. He became the best of the best. I cannot face the challenges of this current generation. You cannot face the challenges of this current generation if we are not willing to allow God to put things in our path that will test our willingness and ability to adapt. Daniel didn't adopt the ways of Babylonians. There's a difference between adopting and adapting. Daniel didn't adopt the ways of the Babylonians. He adapted himself to learn what God was wanting him to learn in order to become a major influence that affects even you and I that are listening to this podcast today. If you and I are going to make a difference in this generation, we must be willing to learn from our challenges instead of just standing up and resisting our challenges. Part of becoming adaptable is learning how to be teachable, resourceful, flexible. I'll be honest with you. I'm going to confess something. I have a difficult time with people who refuse to learn, who, who, are, who, constant, or who constantly make excuses for why certain things haven't happened for them like they have for others. I think what the Bible is trying to teach us about Daniel, Esther, this, these three Hebrew boys, is that they were quick studies They were learners who refused to allow the difficult circumstances to limit their potential. They left no room for excuses. They looked at what challenges were in front of them. They adapted where they needed to adapt, and they rose to the challenge. They walked into the situation as underdogs, but emerged as the elite, the cream of the crop. I guarantee you, none of us would have heard about Daniel we wouldn't have heard about Esther. We wouldn't have read about the, he- the three Hebrew boys if they hadn't been adaptable in the middle of their crisis. If you truly desire to follow the path that God has laid out for your life, you are going to be tested. You will be tested to see if the challenge ahead of you will cause you to adopt, just roll over and play dead, or adapt without letting your convictions be compromised. Let me say one more thing that I believe needs to be mentioned. When you and I face struggles, obstacles, challenges, whatever they may be, you have to either overcome them or adapt to them. You need wisdom from God to guide you to the best choice, the best choice to adapt 
it's, let me, let me say it this way. You need God to direct you and guide you to make the right decision. To just adapt is not to just surrender, but it is to become unstoppable. I, I think sometimes we see our belief system keeping us from being flexible. We view it as being immovable. But I think that in the middle of critical times of struggle and crisis, whatever you want to call it, it is our willingness to be adaptable that, that distinguishes us. Your faith, my faith, should make you pliable, ready to become the change that God desires for you to become. Now, people, people scattered, people scattered throughout biblical history were people whose faith gave them the confidence to adapt to their circumstances while never compromising their convictions. That is huge, and it's something that we probably need to unpack a little bit farther. As I thought, there's no way I'm going to finish what I need to say. So what say ye? Let's keep this conversation going. Stay tuned. We'll come back and do a third part maybe even a fourth part of adaptability. Thank you for listening right here on the Darren Sargent Show. Please follow us on our various Instagram channels, uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, Snapchat. No, I'm just kidding. Follow us. Go to DarrenSargent.com. You can find where you can connect with us. Check out some of the resources I have available on my website at darrensargent.com. Have an awesome day. Remember, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Darren Sargent out.